Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Got a special guest for you today on Our Kids Play Hockey. We're joined by Frank Bonomo, who was an executive in the NHL for about 20 years uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins, amongst other teams. We had a great discussion about youth hockey in general, but also his experiences with Sidney Crosby and some of the best pros in the game from the time period he was there. Uh, and we just dive into his life and you know what we can do to make it a more conducive environment and good habits and bad habits amongst coaches, parents, and players. It's a really great episode. Enjoy it. Uh, and make sure to check out whenhockeystops.com and get your copy of When Hockey Stops Now. It's available. You can check it out. You can get your book. Uh, it's a children's book that Christy and I wrote. You support the book. You support us. You support the show. Uh, it's all about dealing with adversity and how kids can deal with injuries and come back. It was inspired by COVID when they told all the rings to shut down. We wanted to create almost a guide for kids of what to do when you can't do what you love. Um, and we, we, we're really proud of it, so we want you to be too. So check that out at whenhockeystops.com. And uh, again, if you love the show, if you like what we do here, subscribe, like it, uh, leave great comments for us uh, and reviews on the podcast channels. It really does help us a lot, and we really appreciate you listening once again. So enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Here we go. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends Mike Benelli and Christy Casciano-Burns, and we are joined today by a former hockey executive and current vice president of Dollar Bank, Frank Bonomo. Uh, Frank worked in a power position in the NHL for over 20 years, and many of those were with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and he served in various capacities within management, hockey operations, and communications. In addition to his NHL work, and that's why he's here today, he has been and still is active in youth hockey as a volunteer coach, ref, and as a AAA board member, amongst other things that we'll get into. Hockey background, he's a graduate of Rutgers University in New Jersey, where he earned a degree in sports management and communications, and he played for Rutgers University from 1991 through 1995. I had to date you there. I'm sorry, but he won two championships during his time there. Uh, again, he's currently the VP of Public Affairs for Dollar Bank, which is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he oversees all communications uh, in government affairs and foundation and philanthropic related contributions. He's a tremendous person. He's a great person. And I'm happy he's here today. Frank, it's an honor to have you. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. And I appreciate you, you guys having me on. No, really, the honor is ours. And I think the audience today, you're going to love uh, Frank as a guest. He's going to have a lot of wisdom for us. But uh, Frank, in addition to everything I mentioned above, uh, you're also a hockey parent. You have two sons that play. Uh, why don't you walk us through how your kids got into the game and maybe your journey as well? Um, I think they got into the game and that's probably solely my fault. Um, you know, as, as somebody that was working in the game and working around the game, I think, you know, growing up, that's really all they knew from, 
you know, the time they started, dad worked in hockey and um, they enjoyed coming to the rink and being around the rink. So um, both got into a learn to play program. And, uh, you know, my older guy was in a learn to play program, did it for a couple of sessions, then um, didn't want to do it. And um, which was fine. I remember standing at a door to rink and literally Sidney Crosby was there saying, come on, Brady, come, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he's like, I don't want to go. Didn't have any idea who Sidney was, right? <laughs> um, and then he stopped playing for about six months and then wanted to play again. And my younger guy, as soon as he got on the ice, just never looked back. That's all. And how old are they now? We should see where you are on the coaching plane here with Yeah, kids. no, yeah. I have an 18-year-old. Uh, 18 He's attending University of Pitt. And then I have a 15-year-old uh, a who's uh, playing at 16 AA level here in Pittsburgh. So. You so you're like right in the middle, right? So it's a Christie's kids, have, the oldest kids, Mike's. Well, yeah, you know, right. You're right below Christy in terms of where we go. We always got to get the gauge here <laughs> on our kids play hockey of where you are in your hockey parenting. Uh, but uh, Frank, I want to I jump into this too. We, we literally just recorded a whole episode on yelling, right? A whole episode on yelling in the game. And, and uh, you're kind of a leader in the space and advocate and teaching players, not just screaming at them. I'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, if you could expand on being a coach and a parent and kind of what's important with the strategy. Right. And we, we want to clarify that Mike is a situational screamer. Situational those, screamer, <laughs> self-proclaimed. Those of you yeah. who listened to our, our last podcast. Um, I, at first, I think, you know, if you're going to raise your voice, there has to be some intent to it. Um, but it's all about the message, I think, first off. Um, I'm not a yeller, a screamer. Um, and, you know, you really have to, I have to be boiling over to even really yell. I think, you know, the communication piece of it all um, to me is really the message and how you're um, talking to a young player, a young athlete. Um, you know, a player makes a mistake um, and they know they've made a mistake. They know they've given the puck away or they know they didn't get out of the zone, whatever it is. Um, you know, and usually if a player comes back to the bench, I would just ask them what what happened. Right. And nine times out of 10, they're going to tell you, well, coach, she's like, I didn't do this or I didn't do that, which, you know, resulted in that whatever mistake they made. Um, but they get it. They understand it. And usually they'll correct it. Right. Or they can self-correct it. So that's one way I approach it from a coaching standpoint. Um, I, again, everybody's been around the game. You referees to yell at referees really doesn't uh, do you any good. I've refed. Uh, I haven't done it the last four or five years, but I had ref for about four years prior to that. Um, you know, and again, it's the communication. Um, so I, I think, again, it's in your messaging. Um, you know, I guess Mike is a, is a situational yeller, but there's times where you need to get somebody's attention and you need to do it. But I think it's how you deliver that message when you're yelling, right? It's not derogatory. It's not demeaning. Um, but, you know, that, that's my perspective. Yeah, Frank, I liked, your, I liked your term too, the intensity of it. Like, there's, like and I, I probably yell more in practice Certainly. Like, I don't, I don't really yell in games at all. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't even get that worked up. I'm like, well, whatever. I'm so, you know, you make a mistake. We want you to make mistakes. That's the whole idea. But it all, it, it all depends on like where I yell is when I see a kid blatantly, like put the stick behind somebody's head or try to right. trip somebody. Like I actually get more upset when the refs don't call things. I'm like, why, why are you making me discipline the kid? You, you make the call. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a horrible play. And now I have to yell at my own kid and I right. don't you know kids. And so I think, you know, when I say situational, it's more, okay, where am I at right now? And what message do I want to get? And then what age am I? I'm coaching primarily right now. I, I coach, you know, the NHL rookie league. So we're doing the Ranger yep. learn to play. So there's no yelling. There's yelling and there's vocal announcements. 
right? But there's no raising your voice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, you're, yeah, and, and to me, I think the kids actually get a kick at it when you get out there and, you know, you're, you're a little boisterous um, only because they, you know, they, they feel that, that, that intensity in what you're trying to teach. Um, but, at the, and, and they think, and they think you're having fun. Right. But at the, with the older kids, my 14 U kids, you know, there, there's a, there's a time and a place where, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, I use the terms, you know, snapping it out of it and get and say, okay, let's go. Like we've got to, you know, you've got to find a way. And I do think, you know, Lee was talking earlier in an episode about, you know, the music and you see this at the pro level, right. When you had the coaches on the bench, the music's going, the, there's all kinds of stuff going on and you're yelling just to you're you're really just trying to keep the attention to you. You're not really yelling. You're just giving the, you're just giving the, Hey boys, that's out of boy here. Let's, yeah. let's go. You can't yell with, with a me. smile. I just think of that right now. You it's hard. And, 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 and I, I, I laugh all the time now with this whole COVID thing and everybody's screaming and yelling with their masks on. There's no emotion anyway. Like everybody's just screaming and yelling. And, and my, my, my son's always yelling at me. Like, you know, you can't keep taking your mask down and yelling. I go, well, how are you going to know if I'm yelling or not? You know? So, right. well, I'm sure, I'm sure they, the people that I, the players that I've coached over the years, they probably will tell you that, um, you know, I yell, um, so I probably you know, might, might be, you know, not a hundred percent accurate, but you're right. You get on practice. There's an intensity level too, right? You're, you're at practice and all right, here we go, boys. Here we go. Keep going, yeah. keep moving. Like you're, so you're right. engaged, right? You want to see that engagement. And I think like you're saying the same thing, you know, it's about your message, right? Like right. you see coaches that are just berating players and just, you know, kid comes back to the bench and now they're like this and their body language. And, yeah. you know, that to me is, is, is the yelling, the negative yelling, right? I think there's a yelling in terms of keeping that intensity, keep them fired up, seeing, letting your team and, and, and everyone know that you're engaged in it. Right. But, but you're not demeaning, right. You're encouraging there's yelling, but while encouraging, you know, so. Yeah. So yeah. And like as you pointed out, thing. there's another way to do it. So when the kid comes to the bench, you take the moment, that moment to say, hey, do you understand what you did wrong out there to point it out? Chances are they know it before you even have to open up your mouth. But it, it is good to reinforce that learning process. Okay, let's learn from this. You went out there, you made a mistake. I'm not yelling at you, but we do want you to work on this, that we can do better, right? So no you got to have that line of communication open. And I think it's, it's you know, um, you know, everybody learns differently, right? As we all know, but the worst thing for a kid is you see, we want to make this a fun experience for them, right? And I always say hockey is a game of mistakes. You minimize yours and you try to capitalize on theirs. And if you can do that, great. Like, and you watch an NHL game, um, they're making the same mistakes probably. And they're making them just at a faster rate of speed, but the mistakes are the same. Like you look at a pro player that gives the puck up, up the middle and you're like, what were they thinking? Like, but then you, you know, you have your 14 year old make it and you're screaming at them. Like, you know, it's just funny. It just makes you laugh. And then, you know, parents are a whole different level. So, yeah. <laughs> we're going to get into that. In a minute. Yeah, yeah, but I was uh, actually, yeah. actually thinking about the parent part, Frank, real quick. So I don't want to miss it. So think about, and this happens to a lot of parents probably that listen to the show, your, your son, your, your, you know, me, like I want, like my son was on skates in the living room way before he wanted to have skates on, right? Like I'm putting him in skates. Like you're, you're not going to play. I can't sit there and watch you play basketball. So you can't play basketball because I can't enjoy that. I need you to play. I need you to play something I enjoy first. But I think, what well, what was that? What was that? How hard was it? Or maybe it wasn't hard at all. And what, what kind of advice would you give to parents when you see your child say, listen, I, I just don't want to be out here right now. I have no interest. And they're crying. And instead of just saying, like, it's almost like by allowing them to leave, they found the love again. And because it's probably in their blood and, and listen, let's face it. I mean, if you, if you do hockey, right. And the, I know for a fact, like 
the stuff I do like Jim Britt and what they're doing now with the Penguins yeah. and the and and with the Rangers and I see the Islanders and the Devils to learn to play in the NHL what they're doing they're doing it right right when you have Sidney Crosby and we have like Brian Mullen up here and and Stefan Matteau and the, yeah. and Bryce Salvador when those yeah. type of people have you in their environment they almost you look at them and they're like let him you gotta let him go just get him off the ice and he'll come if he wants to be here they'll come back so just real quick on that like what what's some advice you'd give to some of these parents of you know eight u and six u and five u kids when they when you just see their kids it's like like doesn't you know doesn't want to be there and the impulse to not just push them out i i think the first thing is it's it's not our journey anymore right as parents like we lived our journey like so that's over um and i think we have to get by that we, we want our kids obviously you're saying like like I want my kids to play hockey. And when my kid didn't play hockey, I was like, Oh man, you know, okay. But you know, if they wanted to play basketball or football, it's like, okay, great. Like wonderful. But you know, I think again, you, we have to, I think as parents allow them to progress at their own level and allow them to try things and, and like things and dislike things. Um, and I think that really played into me recognizing at that moment that my son didn't want to do this. So if you continue to force it, eat, eat your broccoli. I don't like broccoli, right? Like it's, you know, and if you continue to force to do things that they don't want to do, um, you know, then they're not going to do it and they're going to further resist it. Right. So I think I found um, with my own son, like he came back to it because it wasn't going away in his life. Right. He just kept seeing it. He knew I worked there. He was going to games. He would come to work with me. So um, the light bulb went off. So I think again, be patient, don't force your kids to do things they don't want to do. And, and, and listen, maybe it might not be for them. Right. So maybe they want to play another sport. So that would be my, my advice to, to any parent out there and your journey's over, yeah. you know, whether you're 14, your kid's 14 and they're in the stand and you're in the stands, it's not your journey. And guess what, who you are as a person doesn't reflect the way your kid's playing or not playing. So, right. you know, take a step back. That's a huge point. And, you know, one of the things, that, and again, there's lots of different parenting styles, right? One of the things that my wife and I do is if our kid says they don't want to do something, we, we first thing we do is, okay, do they hate this or are they just not feeling it today? That's the first thing we kind of analyze, right? And then the next thing is this is depending on the situation, it's okay. We want to send the message to of look, you should finish what you start. If you really hate it that much and you don't want to do it, we're not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do, but we do want you to finish what you start right? Finish the season or finish the practice. And then we can make a decision. Um, Cause I think that's an important part of it as well is just understanding that, you know, you can't just quit when you feel like quitting all the time. Now, again, I'm not talking about six, you so much at this no, point. No, it's a life's right? lesson. Right. It's exactly. a life's lesson. It's a great point. And, and, you know, you said this earlier, Frank, I want to touch on it too. One of the things I love about hockey, it's probably true of basketball too. It's a little different in football and baseball. All, all sports are great vehicles for growth. Like the great life, life lesson teachers, but Football and baseball are a little bit more about precision to me. Um, you know, those are mistakes. Those are, those are games, excuse me, where it's all about execution of a play. I, again, there's a reason baseball has a stat for messing up, right? Because they keep, they keep score of errors in, 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 in baseball. You said it. Hockey is a game in which we capitalize on mistakes. And I love that as a life teacher because that's what life is like. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. And, and we have an incredible fear of failure on this planet. And it's completely natural. We, we talk about this. The fear shouldn't be failing. It's not learning or getting back up. So as someone in youth hockey and someone who's been in pro hockey, can you just talk to that aspect for the parents and coaches and players out there about, you know, we shouldn't be focusing so much on 
being afraid to make a mistake, but to make mistakes, be creative and learn to move on from there. Yeah, one one example comes to mind, um, and actually, I you know I give my wife all the credit for it because um, first of all, she's a behavior specialist, so um, I always say she's Jedi mind tricking me anyway. So, um, <laughs> but we were we were watching our older son's game again. This he was years ago um, when he was younger, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, he should have did this. Oh, he should have did that. Oh, why didn't he do?" It? And my wife looked at me and she's like, "Are you looking?" at the next shift with a player that's in the same position as him. Like, she's like, everybody is doing the same thing or making the same mistakes or, 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 or having the same successes. So like, don't be so critical of each shift. And I'm like, okay, you're hundred percent right. Like, and, <laughs> and I always think about that even till this day, like we watch our kids play hockey and we're like, oh, they should have did this. How come they were in this position? And then you watch the next shift and you've got kids doing the same things, right? So it's like, don't be so critical there of, of your own, like they're doing their best, right? They're, they're, right. they're not going out there saying, you know what? I'm really going to disappoint my parents today. I'm, I want to disappoint my coaches and I want to let down my teammates, right? They, that's not the mindset, right? They, they want it. They want to succeed. They want to do well for themselves. So that was just something that I, I just so vividly remember my wife kind of leveling that for me. Um, and here I've been in the game. I was working in pro sports and she was like, Hey, yeah, you know, what are you, what are you doing? So anyway, but that <laughs> yeah, was one. She brought some good yeah. clarity to that situation. Yeah. Something we all can learn. Uh, now you mentioned Sidney Crosby. I got to go back to Sidney Crosby. Okay, I got a million questions for him. Um, but one of the things that I, I, I want you to talk about is, okay, we all know he's gifted, super talented and all that, but it was his work ethic that I've heard so much about that really helped to make him an outstanding player. And that's something that all of our kids can learn from. No doubt. And, you know, in, in talking about him specifically, um, you know, I was, I, I spent six, seven years, you know, every day watching him play and watching him practice, which I'm completely honored. And, you know, along the way of working in NHL, I've come across some, some, some great players and, and, and great work ethics, but Really, you know, people say it all the time that this guy works harder than anybody else, and he does. But like, you watch things that Sydney does on the ice, and it's not like they just came to him too. Um, you know, I remember Tony Granato, assistant coach, he's coaching at the University of Wisconsin now, um, just a great person. But you know, in between, at the end of a practice or or before a practice, if Sid went on early to practice certain skills, like I remember Tony at the end of practice just throwing pucks in Sydney's feet on purpose through the neutral zone so he could pick them up with his feet or kick them up to his skate and you watch Sydney play and he's wheeling through the neutral zone and somebody gives him a bad pass in his feet he's able to kick it up not break stride it's on his stick and now it's a scoring chance and um you know some of the stick plays he would go out before everybody um you know would get to the rink and before practice started and work on skills and training I remember this is this is one thing that I, I will remember for the rest of my life he was out with a high ankle sprain we had a day off on a Saturday. We still had the ice at the practice rink. And the night before he calls me, he says, hey, are you going to be at the rink tomorrow? I'm like, Sid, we have a day off. I'm like, I'm not gonna be. He, goes, well, he goes, I'm going to go down and skate anyway. I'm like, all right. I'm like, and he's like, do you want to come on with me? And just, you know, we'll, we'll do some drills. You know, I'm 40 something years old at the time. I'm thinking to myself, what? So sure. I mean, I was so excited to do it, right? Like, because at the end of the day, we're all fans, right? And you, there is a professionalism to, to what you do, but you're still a fan of the game. And he and I spent probably about a half hour and I was probably, you know, tired after about 10 minutes, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's like, 
do this or do that, or I want to practice this or that. And just some of the things there that he was practicing, normal, normal hockey players don't practice. Um, and then he was like, okay, listen, I really need you to put pressure on me in the corner. I'm like, Sid, listen, do you know, if I hurt your ankle again, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> I'm like, how about we don't do that? But, but again, like to your, to your point, Christy, like practice. Right. And I always tell kids like, you know, you have a couple practices a week, like, great. You can practice and you can be on the ice and say, but it's the things you do away from the game, the habits that you possess away from the game. It's going out and shooting hundred pucks a day or stick in or, okay, maybe your backhand shots, not, you know, or maybe your agility, whatever it is, you've got to put in the work away from the game to be successful. So. So I've got an interesting follow-up to that. And, and uh, Christy, I'm glad you transitioned into, into Crosby because I'm going to, I'm going to go almost a different direction with it. So Frank, again, in your time in the league, you were around a lot of players that are going to be hall of famers sooner than later at this point, maybe they're all towards the end of their careers at this point, but <laughs> you were also around a lot of players that people don't know. A lot of NHL players, third, fourth liners that aren't going to get the recognition. Many of them who came up for a short period of time, went back down to the A, right? Um, or, or the E too. A uh, lot of parents, a lot of coaches. You see what Sidney Crosby does. You see what Evgeny Malkin does. You see what these great players do. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that's wrong, but sometimes I wonder about the players that we don't talk about and what makes them great to get to the NHL. You know, look, I don't like to talk about your kid's never going to make the NHL. If that's your kid's dream, they have a right to that dream. But I think we're unrealistic sometimes when we put a kid next to Sidney Crosby or we put a kid next to Connor McDavid. There's only one Sidney Crosby. There's only one Connor right. McDavid, right? And they're very gifted and they're very good people, by the way, right? What is it that we should be looking at as coaches, as parents, when we look to that top level, when we want to compare our kids to somebody else, which I don't even recommend doing, but you understand what I'm saying is like at the pro level, what are those things that you see that maybe the parents don't see? Cause Cindy Crosby is a pretty, pretty high mark for anybody to meet, you know, and it happens once a generation. So I hope that's a clear question. Sorry. No, I, I think I, I understand the question. I think first, um, you know, I think young players, you, you, you got to compare yourself to you. Right. You can't even compare yourself to your line mate or somebody on another team. I think if you're striving and we all know that like if you're striving to be better um, and you know what your shortcomings are as a player, like, you know, you have to have that honest, okay, like I need to get better at this, right. And my skating needs to be better, whatever that is. And I think, you know, you may want to emulate someone, but I don't think you necessarily want to compare yourself to someone. I think that's probably what I would say to parents or to even players. Hey, you want to emulate the same skill set that this guy has or or this girl has, or whoever, like, but you have to get there um, by practicing these skills to even emulate what they're trying to do. Don't compare right. yourself to people like just, you know, you can take bits and pieces from everyone. Um, and I think that's probably a better way to do it than say, I want to be just like this person or that right. person, like, um, and, and be you, right? Like, everything doesn't work for everybody. And you know what, like, as we know, we've got there's role players, right? And you don't want to stereotype somebody because you can obviously play out of that role, but it's, you know, you've got to find that niche and what you do well and continue to do it well while right. improving the other skills. So I would always say emulate, not really compare to. I love that. And I'm, and I'm going to formulate another question on this too, because you brought this up. We all saw the Trevor Zeger goal a few weeks ago, a few months ago, incredibly creative, incredible, right? Flipping up from behind the net, guy hitting it in front. And we, we brought that up on the show because we made a good point is now you're going to get kids and follow me here, everybody. You're going to get kids practicing that move 80% of the time 
when you really need to be working on your fundamentals 90% of the time. And that's one of those problems is we see these plays. I'm not against them in any way, but we don't see all of the fundamentals that had to be built up for that play. So, and you said this earlier, right? Sidney Crosby's working on fundamentals, like basic things to get better and better. Pro players do that all the time. Now here's where this question shifts, right? If we do compare kids to Sidney Crosby, which, which you, you just had a great answer for that. It's not his skill that I would be looking at. It's the type of person he is because parents in reality, the life lessons your kids are learning in the game, whether they play or not, actually, because everybody's career is going to end at some point, right? That's the real value from the coaching, from the playing is the life lessons you're going to get. So with that said, Frank, I hope I'm crafting this correctly. (laughs) When we look at these players, can you tell us the type of person that an NHL player typically is, because I don't think a lot of people realize that most of these guys are really good people. Like they have character that is just to the same limit as their skill. And I think it's important that we teach that aspect of Cindy Crosby's a type of person you want to emulate too, if you're going to go down that route. Yeah. I think we all have to like, again, we play sports. We want our kids to play sports um, because we want, to teach the life's lessons that come out of sports. You know, like you said before, the not quitting, right? You made this commitment, whether it's a 10 minute commitment or it's a two week or two year commitment, you're making this commitment. So you're going to need to follow through on that commitment because that's a life's lesson. Um, You know, you're going to deal with coaches and teammates that you like and dislike, right? So how do you deal with them when it translates into your school teacher or your, your kid in school or your boss or a colleague as you're going throughout your life. So those are, you know, like we're, we're, we all agree and we all know that those are the things that we want our, our kids to come out uh, playing sports. Um, you know, and, and a guy like Sid, like he's humble. Um, he doesn't take anything for granted. Um, you know, he, he works, he's respectful. Like those are things that if you're going to compare yourself or you want to, you know, emulate to get to, those are the, those are the character traits that, you know, um, be generous, be humble, be kind. Um, and we should be teaching those things and we should be rewarding kids for those things. Um, you know, we had a bullying situation a couple of years back with an organization, I'm a safe sport rep. So I had to deal with that. And, um, you know, in talking to this young man, um, he did point out, he said to me, you know, player X and player Y, he goes, they are always nice to me. He goes, they always treat me right. They always stick up for me. Um, and I made sure that at some point I pointed that out within that group um, in, in, some, in some good ways. And I think, again, we need to reward the good behaviors. Right. I think a lot of times, you know, we're, we're so focused on the ice, um, but let's make sure that we're, we're really rewarding kids and players for, for their, their, you know, being good people and, and doing good things within their locker rooms or with their teammates, or, you know, maybe it's something away from the game because Sid gives of his time um, you know, and does things behind the scenes that people don't ever see. And I think that is not just a Sidney Crosby thing. I think there's a lot of hockey players that do that, um, you know, time in and time out. Yeah. So, so I want to stay on that theme for a second, because I mean, other than making, you know, making sure that our kids are going to be good people, right. And be, be good, you know, great stewards of life, which is, which is, we all want, whether they're playing sports or not. Yeah. Right. Right. You, you, we have a mutual friend, JB Spizo, and you went through training camp with the Penguins and what JB did for that group of young men at the time, right? Um, maybe you could tell a little bit about, you know, that piece of the Crosbys of the world and, and the flurries and the, 
like I think Latang maybe was even with that group. I don't know, but um, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. but even that, even when they did like their their preseason training camp at West Point, and the stuff that went into that, the character piece, like not just being nice, but leading. And maybe you could tell a little bit about that experience, you know, from your perspective, looking at it from a executive and saying, wow, this guy is really, this is, these are things that other programs aren't doing to, to put our kids our our men into a, into a, you know, into a mindset of building great character on a team. Yeah. I think, um, first of all, it was one of the greatest experiences that I had. I was able to participate in that as a team member, our trainers were involved as well. So, you know, we were right in there in the middle of the muck and in the middle of the, uh, the swamp. And, um, and it was, um, again, you really, you see the character of people and you see, um, you know, you see guys like that, but, you know, I always say you don't have to have a letter to lead. Um, I think that at all levels of our team, at all experience levels, um, there was a point in each exercise where somebody had to be the leader and it couldn't be the same person. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, everybody had an opportunity to lead everybody. And maybe, you know, you didn't do it the way I did it, or Christy didn't do it the way I did it. And, but that's okay. Right. We all lead in our own way. And I thought that exercise was really interesting to me to, you know, when you sat back and you looked at it of, of how each person led their own way. Um, but we got there, right. You got to that, you know, some, some days it's not about that leader, um, you know, doing it their way or impressing upon, you know, Hey, you've got to do it this way. They got to their goal. They kept everybody on board. Um, we, we, we had the task at hand. So I thought that was really interesting exercise. Physically, it was one of the most demanding things um, over a six hour period that, that I did. I think we started at six in the after in the evening. Um, and, and we came in, I think somewhere a little after midnight in a pitch dark and we had you know we're pushing humvees up a hill we're rappelling down mountains where you know you, you had to go find a, a a real live person that was you know and you stretcher him somewhere you were like it was it was insane but it really was like through that chaos um came that leadership which was really cool to see different people lead yeah and you could go back and listen to we we interviewed jb about the uh twice. you know the, yeah twice <laughs> car- carrying it well just but the one exercise he has that i've actually done with every one of my teams for the last six years is going to west point and being with colonel kersey and it's carrying awesome. that carrying that rock up the hill and all oh, these great things that come out of fantastic. it and we were laughing you know i think our group this year finally you know they kind of got a little smart they all they all all four groups carried like a 90 plus pound rock up these kids are these kids are 90 pounds i mean like they're you know 100 <laughs> pounds and he's like so impressed he goes you know i don't usually go up with you guys but i'm going up the hill here i, I want to see this is a you know fine young group of men and the whole thing but it's those experiences i think that you know i would i would trade 10 games in the season for that and, no you know, and you guys saw that right at the end of the year, I'm, sh- I'm sure that team and that group of men kept coming back to that and coming back to that and coming back to that because of the, you know, the character, because again, when you get to that level already, you have certain, like we're seeing it right now in the NHL, right? There's some players that are gifted that don't have high character and to find a, and, and they do the wrong things and they, they say the wrong things and they, they act in ways that you're like, how the hell is this person on my hockey team? Right. But when you can, yeah. you can, you can wean those people out in these kind of exercises and early intervention of saying, well, what are we going to do as peers and how can leaders like a Sidney Crosby to your point, 
do all these things. He's not just, you know, listen, there's a whole thing in, in social media now, right? That why every individual skills coach does Mohawk drills is because one day they saw Sidney Crosby doing Mohawk drills around a, a stick before practice. Like, well, this is something every kid has to do now for the rest of their life. But that's the <laughs> influence of what you're doing every day. Like all those times when you get to go out there with Ty Hennis and just do little, like all those little tiny things. And, you know, our right. kids are showing up five minutes before practice, jump on the ice and they, and they're in the car playing Fortnite, you know, before <laughs> your head's spinning. And I think, right. and I think that's, but that's the difference. And that's where we all are trying. And that's what really actually what we, we do. Like we're trying to be like, say, listen, these are, these are not wishes. These are what other people do and give you a guide to where you might end up in a really great place. And, and, and ultimately your goal at the end of this journey. Yeah. And I, and I think too, we have to be intentional, right? And I think we have to be intentional as parents, as coaches too, um, you know, and uh, just to shift, uh, shift gears, I guess a little bit too. It's like, you know, we have to make sure we're inclusive. We have to make sure we're paying attention. You know um, you know, we're, we're at a, a flashpoint, I think in our society, in our game, that we have to make sure that we're, you know, we're treating and talking and saying the same things and doing the same things and on all different levels, whether it's sled hockey, you know, um, you know, whether it's women's, um, whether it's, it, it's men. So I think we have to be collective in our approach and be intentional of teaching all of these lessons, um, you know, as we, as we continue through our game. And, and really, it starts when these kids, uh, young, young men and women are they're not my, they're kids, right? Um, and they first get into that learn to play. And uh, um, so I, I think we just need to be intentional in, in all the messages and things that we're, that we're, uh, we're doing as parents um, and as coaches. And I'll say this too, that in addition to practicing hockey skills, we have to practice life skills too. We, we just don't put enough onus on that. I think Mike, you're saying this, Frank, you're saying this, JB preaches it. Team building is not something that really should not happen. It, it should be part of every season from eight you up in some form of those life lessons. Cause you know how you get good at life, you practice and you mess up. It's the same thing as the game. We talked about this earlier. You know, you can talk about character one season Kid's not going to take that with him. But if we talk about character as an organization every year and identity and communication and trust and all these keywords that are important in life, you do that for, for 10 years with a kid, he's going to have a gift bigger than hockey. Right. And, 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 and hockey's a gift too. Don't get me wrong, but I, I just can't see how we miss those things. Okay. Last question, Frank, cause we, we're running out of time here. Yeah. Um, and, and you just brought this up and I'm glad you did look. Uh, hockey is great in a lot of ways. It provides a lot of things, but there's a lot of things we have to grow with, especially at the youth level. Um, we're seeing this right now, as you said, in the hockey world, there's some glaring things that need to be addressed. Um, so I'm not asking you to talk about all of them or pick one, but uh, it's just a larger conversation of what can we do as parents, as coaches to, to, to evolve and grow the game. Uh, we talk about on the show a lot about, you know, parents, texting at the last minute, Hey, I'm not going to make it tonight. Where 20 years ago, that was a, Hey, can, is it okay if I don't make it tonight? Or, you know, switching teams 15 times in 16 years, what, what do we need to do? What, what's the, what's the next step? What's the conversation that's not happening to, to make the game better? That's uh, you could probably have about, <laughs> hey, can I call it? Can I call Frank, you, Frank, you got one minute to answer you later. It's a big loaded question. Um, <laughs> I think we have to communicate, right? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? That's what I do. Frank. Uh, I we put could you on probably do it. One minute left. Listen, <laughs> I, I think communication is key. I, I really right. do. And I think, you know, talking to our own kids, um, you know, be good stewards of the game, be good stewards of your life. And I think, you know, the conversations we need to be having is, is let's be inclusive. Let's be intentional. Um, but, but it begins with, with the communication from the parent, 
um, you know, hopefully reiterating that with the coaches and your team. And I think, you know, having a coach and a player and having a coach and the family and the mom and dad or, or grandma or whoever's taken that um, girl or boy to the rink, um, you know, have those conversations, be on the same page. Um, because when things come up that aren't, are either tough to deal with or, or not in what we want to see, whether it's a behavior, whether it's comments, whatever that may be, um, there's the relationships there to hopefully mitigate some of those things. So I, I think communication and, and continuing to broaden that will help us. And I'm sure we can get into about 15 other things right. that I'm probably right. missing. Um, but that's, you know, in, in my, you know, two minute uh, time frame, that's yes. probably something that I would, I, I would probably hone in on is the communication aspect of it and yeah. what messages we're, we're communicating collectively. And yeah. parents need to also set the good example too. Yes. Yes. So, and emulate behavior. That is a probably a two episode. At least. Uh, <laughs> well, see, Frank, you see what I did there? First off, you gave a phenomenal answer that with two minutes, but I just fish hooked you into another episode. Potentially. I'm in. Continued I'm in. So, no, listen, that is a tough question to answer. You did a great job with that. And you're, as always, a, a, an awesome guest. And, uh, I just love that we're able to share these different thoughts, opinions, and, and communicate, as you said, on a show like this, because that's why I love doing this. We, we all joke, but it's true. This show's like therapy for the three of us every week. You know what I mean? Because we get, we get great people like you on, but the communication that's not happening is a big part of the problem. This show aims to communicate. So Frank, I want to thank you again for being here today. Just an awesome guest always on every show I've ever had. I appreciate that. Thanks right, for having so, me. I really appreciate all of you. And no, uh, it is uh, it is a need in our hockey community. So I'm glad you guys are doing it. And uh, and again, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. So that's going to do it for this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. You can check out this episode and every episode we've ever done. Wherever podcasts can be heard or ourkidsplayhockey.com. For Christy Casciano, Burns, and Mike Benelli and Frank Bonomo, I'm Lee Elias. We'll see you on the next episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Have a great day, everyone.